everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. Drum roll, please. It is episode 100 of the podcast. Big moment. Uh, we finally got there. I teased it a long time ago. It's been a minute since I've talked to you fine folks out there in podcast land, but um, been a little busy, been doing some different things, some different projects, and uh, putting my attention other places. And uh, I do have an announcement at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but yes, this is episode 100 of this fine podcast that we started what, at the end of 2019. Yeah, so it's taken a little bit to get here. Some ups and downs, some spaces in between, some balancing acts, some COVID to get through, and uh, everything else uh, that we've all dealt with over the last two and a half years. I can't believe it's two and a half years since we started this thing. But I do want to thank everybody for the support on the podcast And like I said, I do have an announcement at the end of this podcast that I would like to share with all of you. Boy, the last time I talked to you guys was to preview the Astros season, which was, wow, a long time ago. Now we're near the end of May. That podcast came in early April. uh, And we've got nearly two months of baseball underneath our belt. uh, About what? Played about 37, 38, 39 games so far. Every team is about that number. And... um, It's been a fine season so far. I will give my uh, thoughts on the baseball season coming up. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, The the big news, obviously, in the week was uh, Nick Saban against Jimbo Fisher. We will dive into NIL and the ramifications of millionaire college coaches just yelling at each other when they well know everybody's doing the same thing. So that was a pretty shameful act over the last couple days. We'll dive into that. Uh, We will also get into the Astros, as I talked about. We'll talk about the Texans draft. I have not shared my thoughts on the Texans draft. Uh, Rockets did all that losing and ended up with the uh, third overall pick. Didn't even get the number one selection. Uh, So we'll dive into that. Also, what else? Uh, What else do I have on my list? Let me pull that back up. Uh, My phone froze. So hold on one second. And, oh, no, that's it. That's it. Rockets draft pick Texans, Astros, NIL, and then uh, my announcement all the way at the end. Uh, In case you haven't done so, uh, go ahead and give me a nice rating on the podcast, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the uh, media channels that you can find our podcasting. Um, You can download it on that. So um, it's been a couple of crazy months. I guess the biggest thing to, to share really is something that's really affecting all of us, man. Every time I go get gas, I I cringe. The prices are out of control. I go to HEB, my grocery bill's up at least a hundred bucks every week. You know, I got two kids at home, um, and I I just I mean it, it's wild. I mean these prices are out of control. I'm just fortunate enough, and I, hopefully you guys out there were too. Maybe did some refinancing uh, about the start of 2021. I locked in my mortgage at the start of 2021. That's when things really started getting out of control. And um, yeah, it's it's really. I mean, I, every time I go to the gas station, I, I look down. I, I mean, it's 4.19 a gallon. We're at 4.19 a gallon, guys. That's the highest gas has been I think in my lifetime, at least since I've been really paying attention to that sort of stuff. 4.19. I just I was just at lunch. And I overheard a table next to me. Uh, um, a lady talking to a, a, a one of her friends saying that this is the highest gas has been 
in a really long time. And I don't think there's going to be an end in sight. I think we've got a little bit more to go here. So the summer months will be challenging for sure, especially if we're going on road trips. I know I'm going to be going to Destin, Florida, like I always do. And, um, yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. I just I hope I hope we do have some kind of relief in sight. November election should be telling. We'll see what the results are there. But even then, I don't I don't really think that there there's going to be any relief until um, something happens down the road. So um, it's pretty crazy. So hopefully you guys are handling that situation. Um, as for me personally, we're chugging along <laughs> uh, in my life. Um, you know, our nanny that we had for a long time, uh, she got into medical school. So congratulations to her the last three weeks without a nanny have been very interesting to say the least. Our schedules are kind of crazy. I know this is my problems and I'm just kind of sharing this with you guys uh, just to kind of vent a little bit. That's what I do on the podcast, especially with some of the personal things that I usually share with you guys. But the last three weeks have been nuts um, all over the place. And one of the things I went through over the last, what was the last weekend, I think, man, I had some kind of like weird vertigo or weird inner ear issue where the crystals got offline like starting last Wednesday when I put my son to sleep I went I got back up from laying next to him and like the room started spinning that lightheaded feeling felt like I had had a drink like not not drunk not drunk all the time that feeling but that feeling when you have like one glass of wine and you're kind of heading towards a nice buzz that's where I was and that's where I stayed for about four days it was the weirdest thing. I never experienced anything like that before. And the only thing that I can really point to is, A, maybe something within the inner ear or some of the crystals. I went to the doctor, got a blood test, everything was fine. But it was this weird sensation that I couldn't really focus on anything. And there was like this cloud around um, the object that I was trying to focus on. It was just so strange. I would lay down. I'd feel lightheaded. I'd get back up, feel lightheaded. It was just this, I, I, I thought it was dehydration at first because I worked out last Wednesday, pretty intense workout, realized I hadn't really drank enough water, so I thought it was that. But then because it lingered for five days, I thought, oh, man, this might be something a little bit more serious. But I think it was probably an inner ear, in not infection, but something with my equilibrium that was off. It was a strange feeling. I do not wish that feeling upon anybody, but uh, I had to – call out sick earlier this week because I had to figure this whole situation out but um, yeah it was a, it was a very odd odd feeling that's for sure so the last couple of weeks have been just crazy we do have a new nanny starting on uh, next month next week she's from Venezuela very sweet girl so she's gonna be helping us out so it's been a crazy month and a half I've tried to continue my kickboxing stuff too that I started and that's the thing with me, man. I, I, I've talked about it before on this podcast. Like, I, It's frustrating because I, I can't really get into a rhythm with working out. I try workouts and then all of my muscle pains and all this ache, achiness that I have related to my back all flare up. And it's, it's just very frustrating. So anyway, crazy couple of weeks. But enough about me. Let's dive into some of the topics at Hammond. First, we've got to start with what happened over the last couple of days. In fact, the last 24, 48 hours. Yeah, Nick Saban unloading on Jimbo Fisher, and then Jimbo returning fire in what has become the true battle with within this whole NIL debate. So NIL, name, image, and likeness, is here to stay, and uh, we saw that come back into the news this week when Nick Saban 
uh, alleged that Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, and the uh, Aggie football program bought all of their players in the latest recruiting class. As you remember, and Nick Saban did point out in that soundbite that went viral, I'm sure you guys have seen it. I'm not going to play it here. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Just type in Nick Saban bought players. It's on there. You'll find it on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you want to look, Instagram. And uh, so he alleged that the uh, recruiting class for the Aggies that ended up number one was bought, bought and paid for through NIL, uh, and that's why they ended up with such a great class. Alabama was number two. The next day, Jimbo gets up at his press conference, unloads on Nick Saban, calling him a narcissist and calling him all sorts of things. In fact, you know what? I'm going to play some of that. Uh, This is Jimbo Fisher unloading on Nick Saban. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organization. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. They broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous But when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it for our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you, the people who insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. All right, so Jimbo didn't hold back. Uh, that's for sure there. Uh, my take on all of this is uh, is the following. First off, these are millionaire college football coaches being very petty, name-calling in public, uh, on a public setting, about recruiting high school kids. Okay? That's all pretty shameful. In fact, the whole college football scene is getting kind of gross. And I'm all, I said this before when NIL came out, and I've always been a staunch proponent of not having a union. I know Northwestern Union play, Northwestern, former Northwestern players tried to unionize a couple of years ago that would have destroyed college football. I think there's a fine balance. I'm not for paying players. I'm for players getting theirs, right? Because there's so much money in college football that I think 
that some of these players should be allowed to get a cut, especially some quarterbacks, some high-profile guys, running backs, defensive players, guys with a big personality, especially in some of these college towns. I think those guys should be able to get a little bit of a kickback um, from deals that they get within the community and all that. But since the NCAA is such a disaster and they rolled this out without any type of regulation, now it's the Wild West. I've talked to former college coaches. I've talked to current college coaches. And they say that it is crazy out on those recruiting streets. And the thing about this old Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban disagreement or argument, not really disagreement, it's a full-on argument. I, they obviously don't really like each other. Jimbo especially doesn't like Nick Saban. Um, the thing is that in Saban's comments, if you go back and listen to him, Saban didn't say that A&M bought these players and they broke rules in doing so. He just said they bought their players. He bought their that they bought their recruiting class. Okay? He didn't say that it was illegal in any way. Now, everybody took it to mean that it was illegal and oh my gosh, they're breaking rules. But you could still pay players and not break the rules under the current NIL standing, right? Because the rules are so obscure and so not defined that you can still do that. Major college programs around the country are doing that. Alabama, I'm sure, is doing it. A&M, I'm sure, is doing it. Texas, you go on down the list. Auburn, Clemson, you go everywhere. USC, we see guys that are transferring from their current schools going to another school because of a potential NIL deal. That's not what this is supposed to be, okay? This is becoming free agency. This is becoming the minor leagues of the NFL. If that's what you want it to be, fine. But let's be honest about what it is, okay? These schools are paying players, are enticing players to come to their universities with the promise and the hope of getting money. They have not played a down, they have not gone to a practice, but they will be promised certain deals down the road. That's, that's what's happening behind the scenes. Let's not kid ourselves. College football for years has been doing this below the surface. Now they're just doing it out in the open. So that's what's happening here with NIL. And I, it's ruining the amateurism of the sport. It's turning it into the minor leagues. But I would be okay if everybody was just honest and said that. I, I just saw a quote from Tom Izzo, which was a really good quote. They asked him about this whole NIL thing. And he was saying that someone brought up to him that, well, hey, you must like this. You get guys there for four years and you get to offer them NIL deals, this is great. He says, no, 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 it's not great. Because, and he's right, he says that in, in the pros, you have contracts. Here, a player can go to school, then can be enticed to go somewhere else because of the promise of an NIL deal at another university. Case in point, the Bolitnikov winner from Pitt, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, he's leaving. I think he's going to USC. Because, well, there's more money to be made out in L.A. and not in Pittsburgh. That's not what college sports is about. Kelvin Sampson recently came out against this. He says he, he hates the system. He hates that, in fact, it's not regulated. The NCAA could have come out a little earlier, knew that this was coming down the pipe. They could have gotten out in front of it, but they didn't because they're a disaster and they never do anything right. That's what the NCAA is. So... I hate this back and forth. I think it's pretty shameful. It's entertaining. It provides us fodder to talk about. It's fine. 
You know, I'm talking about it here on the podcast. But I think it's pretty shameful, to be honest. I mean, just recruit the kids to your university based on the program that you have. A lot of schools do it. I might be a little biased in this sense because my university, Northwestern, now has a pretty uphill climb when it comes to NIL deals. Northwestern, located in a small little town of Evanston. Yeah, it's by Chicago, but the name recognition is not there. So Northwestern, I'm sure, has already lost players to bigger institutions that will not be able to offer what Northwestern does as far as in the classroom goes, but they will be able to offer the money up front. And that's something and you can't. That's something maybe schools like Stanford, Duke, Vanderbilt, some of these other smaller schools can't. And these big schools have an upper hand. There's no question about it. Booster programs, everything about this NIL deal just reeks of reeks of doing things improperly. And I hate it. I think it's it's again, I'm all for guys getting theirs because they're part of a big, huge money-making scheme that is college football, college athletics, college basketball, too. So I'm all for getting theirs, but this has to be regulated. I don't know what that means. If the government has to step in, Lord knows every time the government steps into something, they, they make it worse. So I'm not sure if I want that, right? But something has to be done because this cannot continue. Sustainability of this is 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 not going to be good. You cannot sustain this. So... Let these two fight. Now everybody wants to see that Alabama A&M game. It's in Tuscaloosa. I'm pretty sure Alabama is still going to stomp A&M because A&M doesn't really have a quarterback. And um, and then the debate will keep going on. So I, it's just it's just a de- I, I I hate talking about this because I love talking about the sport. But let's call it what it is. All of these teams are doing something now to pay players to buy players. They're doing it legally within the rules. The rules are so obscure that they can get away with pretty much anything at this point. The NCAA a couple of weeks ago tried to clarify some things, but, I mean, these schools are getting away with whatever they want at this point. So I'm not saying Nick Saban was wrong in what he said was buying players. I think he was right because he didn't accuse A&M of doing things that were breaking the rules, but everybody's doing it, and let's be honest about it. Okay, baseball season underway. Uh, we are about, what, 38, 39 games into this thing. My my team is doing terribly. The White Sox are a very average team. Lots of injuries, no offense. Their manager, I think, is drunk half the time. So uh, uh, we don't need to dive into the White Sox too much. You guys are here to talk about Astros baseball. And the Astros, well, they are rolling right along. Even though they got off to a slow start and people were starting to hit the panic button, everybody online, you see, oh, my God, who can we trade? Who can we trade And to make this team better? Guys, <laughs> we've been here before. This is a great baseball team, okay? They lose Carlos Correa. They put in Jeremy Pena. He's doing fine. By the way, he was my fearless prediction to finish in the top three of AL Rookie of the Year. I mean, I think you could argue that he might be the favorite for Rookie of the Year right now because of what he's doing at the plate, his decent defense. First couple of games were uh, a little shaky out in the field, but he's gotten right back on track. He's starting to fit in with the lineup. It does help that he's in a lineup of, of mashers. I think I saw a stat that any time that Altuve, Bregman, Guriel, Brantley, Alvarez, Tucker, uh, and Pena, yes, Anytime those guys are all in the lineup, they haven't lost. And uh, so they're scoring runs in bunches like they do. They got off to a slow start, and that's okay. 
uh, but they are in first place in the West. They will stay there the whole season. The Angels are playing better. I will say that. That's kind of my surprise team so far in the uh, in the American League. The Angels, I thought they'd be okay, uh, but they're getting better pitching than I anticipated. Their offense is going to be fine. they got great hitters, um, but their pitching has been a little bit better. Seattle's been a huge disappointment. Uh, Texas is pay- playing better of late. And Oakland stinks. Uh, they they pretty much quit on the season before it started. So um, the Astros will be right there. They will be uh, division champions once again. They've gotten some stellar pitching. Justin Verlander has been tremendous off of Tommy John surgery. Had a near no-hitter against the Twins last week. So I just, this overreaction, and I know that's what people do in sports. I get it, and especially in the years and the advent of social media. Everybody's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do to fix this team? It's fine. We were two weeks into the season. Then they rattle off, what, 11, 12 wins in a row? And they were they were well on their way. So pitching's going to be great. I think they're going to – I think the six-man rotation was really, really good for them, uh, especially since everybody was pitching pretty well now that Odorizzi's back uh, on the injured list. It'll be interesting to see how this pitching staff responds to switching some things up a little bit. But I think they will be just fine. And with the offense that they have, they will compete against anybody. The pitching doesn't even have to be as good as it's been, right? I mean, they they are going to be competitive with the offense and the type of hitters that they have, the approach that they take at the plate. Bregman is swinging the bat a little bit better. Altuve is uh, hitting the ball out of the yard. They are doing what they do, and they will be in the playoffs again. I think the American League still rolls through Houston. The Yankees are playing well. I get that, and they've gotten some better pitching than I thought, too. That offense is hitting the ball out of the ballpark um, like they should have been in the past, but now they're doing it now a little bit more consistently. Uh, I think the AL Central is still up for grabs. I think the White Sox eventually get their act together and win that thing. I don't think the Twins have the sustainability to keep being in first place all year long. So I think the AL East is going to kind of get – a little bit more compact. The Yankees will slip. Toronto's going to be start playing a little bit better. Tampa Bay is still there. So we have the usual suspects from the last couple of years. They'll be in the playoffs, and uh, we'll see where it is. But I think the American League and the road to the World Series still rose through Houston. The Astros are doing great. Texans. Let's talk Texans now. Their uh, draft class was uh, better than I anticipated it being. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr., uh, the cornerback out of LSU, was taken number three overall. Saw him on the field for rookie camp. Um, I'm not against that pick. I think, you know, he's got a lot of upside, and the Texans are banking on that. I personally would never go with a corner that high. I think that that position is very volatile, and uh, I personally would not have done that. I would have gone maybe an offensive lineman there and then maybe gone with a corner or maybe a wide receiver a little later. But they thought that Derek Stingley, that was their guy. They did a research on him. They they thought they they read up on him. They decided, you know what, this is our guy. His injury history is in the past. He's going to be fine. We're going to take care of him. We're going to get him through the right reps. And look, if he pans out, the Texans have a shutdown corner. He was tremendous his freshman year at LSU. And um, they have a true shutdown corner, which is a commodity in the NFL. I just think that high in the draft Go with a position that's a little bit more reliable. If you're not going to go quarterback, then go offensive lineman, maybe a pass rusher. I like Thibodeau. He went with the Giants. He went to the Giants. I thought Thibodeau would have been nice here, especially in that lovey scheme. 
he would have uh, he would have played really well. Uh, but uh, you know, you can't fault the Texans for taking Stingley. You can't really fault the Texans for doing what they did in the draft. I thought they did great. John Mechie the third was a solid pick. They traded up to get him, wide receiver out of Alabama. He looks great after a torn ACL injury. Saw him at rookie camp. Kenyon Green, the local kid out of Atascacita, he's going to fit in right at guard. I think he could play right away. Um, who else did they get? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Jalen Petrie, safety out of Baylor. I think he's going to fit right in. I think those top three picks are going to be starters on day one. Mechie, depending on how he is, depending on how they use him, maybe a slot guy he can start. I think Christian Harris could start, linebacker. They got him. I know Lovey Smith was really excited. Lovey, um, out, excuse me, linebacker out of Alabama, Christian Harris. I think he's going to be a solid player too. I like the way he he handled himself at the podium. He looked good on the on the field. We'll see more of them next week uh, during OTAs uh, when the Texans are back on the field and we get to watch them go through drills as a whole team. So the rookies will be mixed in with some of the vets. And we'll see what they have. But overall, I thought their draft was really, really solid. Uh, I think last year the draft was good. We saw a lot of guys get a lot of playing time on a team that wasn't very good. But still, they got the reps that they needed. Davis Mills is going to be the starter. Um, I like Lovey Smith, man. I, I know I've given him a hard time on this podcast for what he did at Illinois. And, and, and you know, that's not that's not his fault per se. I mean, Illinois is not a great job. Um, he did lose to Northwestern five years in a row, and that's hard to do. Um, but I think he's a good pro coach. Talked to several of the guys since he got hired, and they were all excited that he got hired, that they were all fired up that Lovey was able to get the job. Now, the process of him getting the job was a complete disaster, but we've already discussed that on the podcast. I'm glad that they gave it to Lovey. I, I wish they would have just given him the job right out of the chute, um, but I think he is what this team needs right now to kind of get them rolling into the right direction, right? He, he's an established coach. He knows what he's talking about. He has a system. He, he's committed to that system, get guys to fit that system. Now, are they going to win the division? No. I think I have them at, what, around six wins, which is fine. Six or seven wins. I think they beat Jacksonville twice. I think they beat Washington here at home. I think they beat the Bears. I think they beat the Dolphins on the road. Who else did I have them beating? What is that? One, two, three, four, five. There was somewhere else, somewhere else that I think I have them uh, picking up a win. So I think six or seven wins is fine, and I think that's a good place to start for a team that is building and wants to get to where they want to be. I think the division took a step back. Tennessee took a step back, I think. Uh, Indianapolis is going to be right there in the mix with Matt Ryan. So, look, it's a process, but I think this draft class serves as a great foundation to what the Texans want to do. And I'm, I'm anxious to see what these guys have to offer. And uh, in Nick Casario, we trust, right? Uh, in Lovey Smith, we trust. And um, we'll see what they do. And uh, hopefully it comes out with some exciting football this year. Real quick, our next topic are the Rockets. The uh, NBA draft lottery was this week. And, you know, I go back and forth on what I think about the NBA draft lottery. I think if you stink and if you're such a bad team, I think you do have the right to pick number one, but then there is that argument about tanking, and you can make you can make the case for it being a lot harder, a lot easier, I should say, to tank in the NBA. I just think if you're going to be so bad and if you're going to suck, you should have the right for the number one overall pick. Like the Texans was really bad last year. Can you imagine if the lottery, 
if they had a lottery in the NFL and they ended up with uh, pick 12. <laughs> like, that would be a huge bummer, right? And so in the NBA, the Rockets lost a whole bunch of games, which we anticipated they would. They knew they were going to lose a whole bunch of games as they continued to build their team out as well, and they end up with number three. Now, they're going to get a good player at number three, and I think it, the way it may fall, I mean, the kid Ivy out of Purdue, I think he may go one or two. Chip Holmgren, who I think the Rockets need to stay away from at all costs, the kid out of Gonzaga, I think he's going to go one or two. And I think the Rockets are going to end up with Banchero right there at number three, who is a good player, power forward, can mix it up. He's got real good skill. Uh, I think he's ready for the NBA. I think he's going to be mixing in well with Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., all these guys the Rockets do have. So at number three, it's not terrible, but, I mean, you go in with the best chances to get the top spot. And I know it doesn't work out like that sometimes, but I'm always torn on the draft lottery. I mean, I, I, mean, I understand it, like I said, but, man, dude, if you're going to suck, you really want to have the right to get that number one overall pick. And uh, I think the Rockets earned that distinction this year, but I still think they're going to get a, a good selection. Banchero would be my pick out of Duke. Um, but as long as they don't pick Chet Holmgren, I'm fine with any selection that they make. They got a lot of draft capital, so even if they want to move back and get some more, I think this draft allows them to do that. Uh, Smith, the kid out of Auburn. I can't remember his uh, Jalen Smith, Jordan Smith. Kid out of Auburn, power forward. He's also a very good player. Uh, I think they needed some size, so I, I, they got the guard play right now worked out. They go power forward, I think, would be a good selection for the Rockets. All right, we rattled through some topics there, didn't we? Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. This was episode 100. I know I said I wanted to have an interview. Things didn't really work out. I was hoping to get Andre Johnson, but uh, his schedule didn't line up with mine, and we just couldn't We couldn't do it. So, uh Maybe one day I'll get Andre to talk about uh, his career, and uh, I always love talking to Andre, and I think he wanted to do it. It's just his schedule was kind of crazy, so we, we didn't line it up, and we couldn't get it done. So uh, those were the topics at hand this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Now to my announcement. Uh, I know I, I've got a loyal uh, following here on the podcast, so I appreciate you guys that have listened, but uh, I am going to be taking a step back from the podcast, taking a time out, if you will, uh, from the podcast to focus on other um, other projects that I'm uh, working on. Uh, I'm doing something with Special Olympics now. I've got the program coming up again, my high school football show. I've got the Comish documentary. I've got several things that I need to uh, need to focus on, need to develop, and need to dedicate a little bit more time to. So I will be stepping away from my podcast, and I thought I'd, at episode 100 it would be a good time to step away for a little bit. Maybe I'll come back in the fall. So we can dissect Texans games every Monday. Hopefully we have some good football to talk about that we can dissect. College football games as well. I know I love talking about that. You guys love hearing about that too. Uh, football is just a different animal. We can also talk Astros playoff run and all that. So maybe back in the fall I'll pick it, I'll pick it back up. But for now, I'm going to take a timeout. I'm going to step away from my podcast. I love doing the podcast. I don't do it very regularly. Um, I wish I could do it a little bit more often, but... Um, Circumstances are what they are, so uh, this will be my last episode for a while, for a long time. I, I want to thank you guys for listening um, from the uh, from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate all you guys that have tuned in. I, I started this podcast to, to kind of share my thoughts on the sports world a little bit, to give you some interviews and to give you some more long-form stuff that uh, you don't really get on some of our on-air products at KHOU, but... 
If you still want to hear my uh, opinions on things, you can go to Facebook. You can go to uh, Twitter. I'm still going to be on there. And uh, on Sports Extra, every Sunday night we talk about the topics at hand, so I will be giving my thoughts on there as well. But for now, this will be the last timeout uh, with DG Podcast for a, lo- for a little bit, for a while, maybe until the fall, as I said. But thank you, thank you again for, uh, for following along, for listening, for giving me feedback, for that one person that gave me a one-star review a long time ago. Man, I love you because, because you're the only one that did that. It ruined my five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, but you know what? I still love you. So I hope you're still tuning in. If you're not tuning in, well, sorry we lost you. Uh, But to those that have tuned in for a long time, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me, and uh, I thank you. So until next time on the podcast world, see you later. Godspeed, and uh, I'll talk to you guys uh, real soon. See you guys on the air on Channel 11. I'll be there all the time. Take care.